Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Forever. Dog. Comic books, comic time. Writers and artists are on the line. They make a splash as a comic's read and take us on a trip behind the spread. Watch out for comic book commentary. Spinning on winning inside, fix how they got a hot idea. Narrative, character, visual tricks, and onomatopoeia. Uh huh. It's comic book commentary. Hello, you fine comic book reading folk. This is Jeremy Whitley on Comic Book Commentary today, and uh, I'm going to be doing commentary for the story I wrote for Unstoppable Wasp number six. Uh, now, this is issue number six of volume two, which will have just come out the week that this is dropping. Uh, there is also an issue six for volume one. Uh, this isn't that. So if you're reading that and trying to listen to this, it's not going to make any sense. Uh, it's really going to be confusing. Uh, you can try it. I mean, who am I to say that's wrong? Uh, but uh, also, just sort of from the, from the start, um, in a way, this is sort of a weird issue to do commentary for because it is a fallout issue coming right after what was a pretty big story in, in issues four and five, uh, dealing pretty heavily with uh, Nadia's mental health. So, if you're worried about getting spoiled for anything in the series thus far, um, or the previous series, uh, I guess, you know, hold off on listening to this until you've read all of those things. Um, but, uh, with, with that out of the way, I think, uh, you do some sort of quick introductions. Uh, my name is Jeremy Whitley. If you've never read anything I've written, I've written, uh, a lot of, Unstoppable Wasp for Marvel. Uh, there was a first volume, which was eight issues, uh, which was, I think, started back in uh, 2017. Um, and then this current volume, we're uh, on issue six now, and obviously it's still ongoing. Um, it is about, if you do not know, uh, Nadia Van Dyne, who is the, the daughter of Hank Pym, the original Ant-Man, um, and if, uh, if it confuses you that her last name is Van Dyne rather than Pym, you're not alone. Uh, the thing is, that is all explained in Volume 1. So uh, I'm not going to go too deep into that. But, uh, you know, her, her father is currently dead. I say currently because it's comic books. Um, and she decided to uh, take the last name of her, her stepmom, Janet Van Dyne, the original Wasp, who has been very much a, a role model and a mentor to her throughout her story. Um, uh, so like I mentioned, there, there was a first volume. This is, uh, this is technically issue six, but it is the 14th issue of Unstoppable Wasp Total, all of which have been written by me. The first volume uh, was illustrated by Elsa Charitier uh, with colors by Megan Wilson. This volume, the first five issues were written by me and illustrated by uh, the team of Guri Hiru, um, who are Truly amazing. Um, but this particular issue is uh, penciled and inked by uh, Aldi Fermancia, uh, illustrated by, I've never said Espen's name, last name out loud. It's Espen Grundichen, I think. <laughs> and uh, lettered by the, the always amazing Joe Caramagna, who uh, makes me look a lot better than I am because... The number of letters and words that I write in comic books should not fit on a page, especially in this book. And uh, Joe does it with 
minimal effort. It seems like, uh, he's, he's just amazing. Um, my editor on this book is Alana Smith, who is, uh, also amazing and incredibly invested in Nadia as much. So maybe not more than even me. Um, and the executive editor on this book is Tom Brevoort, who keeps us all in line and, uh, makes sure we're not, not destroying the Marvel universe by accident. Um, if, if you decide you want to catch up on any of this stuff, there are two volumes of... So there's two trade paperbacks that make up the first volume. Uh, there are eight issues total. Um, and then there will, by the point this comes out, be the first trade of the second volume, which is issues one through five. Um, and you can you know, read all the way up to this point, I think, by then. Um, See, uh, let me give you a quick introduction to the cast because we are sort of jumping in in the middle of things. Um, <clears throat> there's uh, Nadia Van Dyne, who's the Wasp. Uh, just recently discovered she had bipolar disorder and has had some uh, issues regarding that and her her friendships. Um, she uh, may have punched, kicked, and thrown a few of her friends in the process of uh, trying to fix everything and help her friends and. Um, not all of them have come out of it with the same understanding of, of where Nadia is at, uh, particularly, um, we'll see if the fallout of a few of those interactions in this story, <clears throat> um, our, I guess, secondary heroine is, uh, Janet Van Dyne, who's the original Wasp, uh, an original Avenger, uh, who I frequently, uh, discuss as being the only adult uh, on the Avengers. Um, she's actually like strangely well-adjusted, all things considered, and actually like has a job and has her life mostly together, uh, which is not true of basically anybody else who's an original Avenger uh, for, for more than like a month at a time. Um, we've also got, uh, you'll see briefly in this story, uh, Mockingbird, Bobby Morse, uh, who is the uh, lab advisor for Girl Labs, which is the uh, the group of young scientists that Nadia put together in the first volume and uh, continued to be the, the supporting cast for this story. Um, Mockingbird's only going to be in this one briefly, but she is a, uh, a force towards keeping everybody in line and does the, the science advising well, Janet tends to do more life advising because, uh, well, Janet's a very smart cookie. Mockingbird is actually like a world renowned chemist. Um, so like, yeah, she does a little bit of superhero stuff, uh, in this book, but mostly she does, uh, advising stuff. The first people from the, the girl group that we're going to see, uh, from girl labs that we're going to see are Taina and Alexis who are uh, two sisters who live in um, Washington Heights um, in New York. They're, uh, Taina is the, the one that's actually the, um, the member of Girl in this. She's roughly the same age as Nadia. Um, she's a, a teenager as well. Uh, she has um, CP, which we'll talk about more later, but... She does use uh, either crutches or a wheelchair throughout the story uh, and throughout every issue. <clears throat> uh, her sister, Alexis, is college age. She's actually going to uh, Empire State University, um, but also uh, helps out with girl labs and is often the, the driver for <clears throat> girls and for Taina especially. Um, we'll also see in this issue... Uh, Ying, who doesn't have a last name because she was raised in the Red Room just like Nadia and uh, did not have the uh, fortune to find out who her parents were before she ended up escaping. Um, she was largely the, the subject of the first volume of Unstoppable Wasp as she was sent to retrieve Nadia and uh, <laughs> ended up needing to be saved herself because the, uh, the Red Room implanted a bomb in the back of her head. Uh, we also have her her girlfriend, uh, Shay, who's also a brilliant physicist um, and is, I don't know, one of my favorite characters uh, that I've, I've ever created. Um, and then we also have Priya, who uh, was in the 
it was pretty heroic in the previous issue. Um, and then this one is, is dealing with some of her own fallout from the first arc. Um, and we'll get to see some of that as we go. Um, she is the, the daughter of uh, Indian immigrants and uh, is a brilliant botanist in her own right. Um, and has had some, had some run-ins with some supervillains that she wasn't quite prepared for in the last, uh, last, vo- the last couple issues. Um, so where we left off at the end of last issue was, uh, you know, Nadia had been, had, had found out that she was bipolar. She had had a, a manic episode in which she ended up, um, getting to a fight with her friends who were trying to help her at that time, but they were trying to help her by, uh, getting between her and her lab, which was where she felt like she needed to be because she felt like she had the energy and the ideas to fix things, which is a pretty common thing with manic episodes, uh, where you're, you're super aware of, uh, needing to do things and being able to do things, but you're not so much aware of your own current mental state, um, in a way that, that you should be. Um, so, uh, in the course of, of trying to fix things, not only did she, uh, at various points, beat up Ying, throw Shay across the room, um, but she also, uh, on this chalkboard that she was making a list of things, she was writing down ways to fix her friends, including Taina, who has uh, CP, and uh, took that quite personally as somebody who uh, frequently feels like people treat her like she uh, can't hack it, like she's broken, like she needs to be fixed, uh, which is not a thing that she's okay with. She also found out that at a point during this manic episode, Nadia called her doctor uh, without her permission, which was not, it's not really an okay thing ever, um, but especially in this context was, was pretty rough. Um, and so that's where we're opening at the beginning of this issue is that uh, Nadia is, uh, you know, it's been a few days since the end of everything and uh, Nadia has been going to therapy for the last uh, week or two and is trying to make amends. She wants um, Taina to know uh, where she's at and um, wants to invite her back to the lab because Taina has, has not been back to the lab since uh, that issue. Um, so we start with uh, Nadia sort of at the door. She gets Alexis. Alexis is very uh, hesitant <laughs> to... Uh, let Nadia in, um, but, you know, goes to ask Taina if, you know, she wants to talk to, to Nadia. Um, Taina quite vocally does not want anything to do with Nadia at this point. Uh, she is, is not over at all any of this stuff. Not that I think she should be. Um, <clears throat> um, but Nadia is, is determined to talk to her. Um, and decides to shout from the hallway, which Alexis gets uh, caught in the middle of. And this is maybe one of my, my favorite Taina bits, because uh, my favorite thing about Taina is that Taina is mean. She's very good at insults, and uh, she has a lot of references. She's she's not above making jokes at other people's expense. And uh, <laughs> she's she's trying to push past Alexis and calls her uh, Thundra Thighs, which is a nice combination of, of I feel like Marvel Universe stuff and also just being a general jerk to your sister um, she she tells off Nadia and uh, Nadia tries to explain not particularly well um, what's going on um, or what what happened to her and that she doesn't she, she frames it as like I was mean to you, but that doesn't mean that you should have to like lose this, uh, this privilege that I've given you of like being part of this lab, which is, uh, enough to, to set Taina off. And, uh, uh, Taina calls her privilege and ableist and slams the door in her face. And, um, Nadia is sort of left standing, uh, Waiting there. I, I did want to mention at the beginning of this scene uh, that I, I did some uh, consulting. There is, you'll notice in the special thanks, Ember Quaid, uh, who 
also uh, has, uh, has has dealt with CP, and that was a big thing for me as I wanted to make sure, you know, when, when dealing with, this is the first time we've really named um, Taina's disability. She's always had crutches and, uh, and a wheelchair. And uh, to some extent, it was important to me starting off that, like, it'd be a thing that was always visually there, but that it wasn't, you know, the only thing that she or people around her talk about. So, um, you know, while she occasionally has to, uh, to ask somebody to, to bring her her chair or something like that. Um, this is the first time that, you know, we, in this scene, we said out loud that she has cerebral palsy and, um, you know, that's why she needs the crutches or the wheelchair at various times. Um, so I, I was very thankful to, to Ember for, uh, and taking a read of my initial fast of the script and giving me some suggestions of, of how to handle things uh, better that I'm not uh, used to having firsthand experience with. Um, because I wanted to make sure that uh, not only did this feel like Taina, but that, you know, I, that she sounds like somebody who has had, who's been dealing with this for her whole life and not like me trying to explain what uh, a disability that I don't have is to an audience. Like that's, it's always, it's always important for me to consult with people, especially with stuff like this. Cause I, I want to make sure to get it right. And um, you know, in this scene, uh, in the second page here, Tyne is uh, incredibly angry. Doesn't want anything to do with Nadia. Uh, you know, Alexis is trying to talk her down because, you know, Tyne really does stand to benefit somewhat from having the, the resources of, of PIM labs. Um, and, you know, she's, she's able to see from Nadia sort of yelling through the door and, and trying to talk to her that, that Nadia is dealing with her own disability, a thing that she did not know, you know, she had and is really sort of struggling with this thing for the first time. And, um, you know, Tina's willing to hear her out with a little coaxing from Alexis, um, which, you know, was, was important to me because Tina isn't, she isn't just over it, but, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't lack empathy, you know, um, everybody's got their own stuff to deal with. Um, which uh, leads us to, to the second scene in this, which is a flashback um, to um, Nadia's uh, first day of therapy, which uh, was important for me to show in here because we do talk about Nadia needing to go to therapy um, because you know she does have a, a very real disorder, and um, you know, between therapy and and medication, it is bipolar disorder is something that can be. Um, contained, controlled to some extent, but it, it doesn't go away. Um, not to mention, Nadia should probably be in therapy in the first place. She's been through a lot. She was, you know, raised in a, a bunker to be an, a mad scientist um, by a, you know, extra legal Russian organization. Um, and her, her mother and father are both dead, uh, neither of whom she ever met before they died. So, yeah, therapy seems like a foregone conclusion there. Um, so we we were trying to decide how we wanted to handle it. We wanted to bring in um, uh, somebody to be her therapist from the Marvel Universe. Uh, we did not want a, a Dr. Samson or, or something like that. But um, the very good series, Silk, if you haven't read it, uh, introduced uh, Dr. Sinclair, who was Silk's therapist in the book, and uh, she is Nadia's therapist here. Um, I assume we didn't actually write this at any point in the book because it it's sort of external um, stuff. It wasn't really necessary. But uh, Silk is friends with uh, Mockingbird, who obviously knows Janet and Nadia, so I assume uh, she got... That's where... Uh, the two got paired up. Um, this this scene, we get to see a little bit of 
of the therapy. I I could after issue five, I feel like we could have written an entire issue that was just Nadia going to therapy. But um, this is a comic book, and and it's not always the most visually interesting thing to do. Uh, not to mention, I wanted to make sure that we didn't just drop all the ongoing threads of, of all the sporting characters, all of whom had sort of big moments in the last couple issues. Um, so uh, we only really get sort of brief check-ins on, on what Nadia's therapy looks like and sounds like. Um, you know, Janet is there cause, uh, Nadia wants her there. Um, but there's, there's sort of a discussion about, um, there's a little bit of discussion about Hank Pym and, um, and Nadia and the fact that, uh, Nadia, once she comes to terms with the fact that she has bipolar disorder, has this idea that maybe she can fix it. Maybe she can experiment and do something about it. Um, and you know, nobody has found a way to fix it yet to, to, you know, get rid of this disorder for good. But she, you know, is a scientist herself and she's very smart and she's, she's sure that, you know, if she tries some things, she might be able to figure this out. And this is very, very intentionally echoing Hank here. Um, and Dr. Sinclair points that out that, um, Hank, on many occasions, not just with bipolar disorder, but also, you know, with how he got his powers in the first place, experimented on himself frequently. And part of bipolar disorder is that you have, uh, when you're in your manic phase, you have an overconfidence that um, means that, you know, sometimes you do things that are, are risky without uh, necessarily considering the risk the way you should be. And, um, you know, that is, is something that really hits home to Nadia in this moment because she's, she realizes, you know, that she's, she's ready to do these things to herself and, in trying to fix herself. Um, and that those, those, those impulses are the same impulses, um, that, you know, are part of being bipolar that, you know, she, uh, thinks the bipolar disorder causes her to believe that she can beat the bipolar disorder, um, without, you know, monitoring it and working the way that, you know, we've, we've established through psychology for, for years that she should be, um, trying to, to work on it. Um, and, you know, Dr. Sinclair points this out to her, um, that, you know, and let's sort of Nadia come to this conclusion that the same feelings that she's having sound very much like bipolar disorder. Um, you know, knowing what she knows, she's able to come to this conclusion that she, she is not in the best position to, to do this for herself. Um, which, uh, I don't know, is, is this weird sort of, um, point where there's, there's a couple of these, as, a, as I was researching the previous story, these points where bipolar disorder and being a superhero mesh in really strange, interesting, and, and in some ways, unfortunate ways, because, um, you know, we expect superheroes to, to push themselves beyond the limits and to keep going well after, you know, it's safe for them to do so that their, their bodies, um, you know, may make it wrecked in their minds, maybe, uh, you know, injured permanently, but we expect that they will keep on going past that point because that's what superheroes do. But that's also what people with bipolar disorder do. Um, and it's, you know, I feel like in that moment, it's hard for you to tell the difference. Um, and that's, that's a tough and interesting thing with, with Nadia and, and with this story. Um, so we, we jump back to the, the scene with Taina. Uh, it does wrap up maybe a little neatly, but um, part of that is uh, that uh, Taina is much more motivated by making fun of people than being angry at people. And um, 
she uh, she she picks on Nadia wanting to go full uh, mad scientist on herself um, and just experiment on her. Um, and that, you know, well, obviously it's not that, that Nadia thinks particularly less of Taina, but that Nadia is compelled to try and, and do these same things to herself that uh, Taina feels she sort of unjustly put on her. Um, and, and, you know, she, Taina sort of comes to the realization that, that Nadia is just a mess and, you know, she's, she's trying to figure out her own stuff. Um, she, she also, uh, makes a reference to Kirk Connors, um, which, uh, you know, telling somebody they're following in the steps of the lizard is, is maybe, uh, not the nicest way to go about it. But I think we've we've established pretty well at this point that uh, Tina's not the nicest person, um, which is is particularly funny in this scene because she she hugs Nadia and she comments that she doesn't hug a lot of people, um, and Nadia asks if if, if uh, that's why it feels so weird and sharp. Which um, I don't know. That was uh, that was a big one for me. Um, I, I like Tina's jokes. Those are maybe my favorite things to write in this book. Um, uh, and Taina gives a little bit of a, a speech at the end of this, um, which I, I get some, some definite good, good notes and help with from, um, Ember about, you know, making sure that, uh, making sure that this, this speech is representative in the right ways and, um, sounds like it's coming from somebody who's, you know, coming from where Taina is coming from. Um, that was important to me. Um, and uh, page five kind of wraps up this scene. Um, Nadia has a present for Taina. Taina thinks it's a Girl Scout style badge of, with the, the girl symbol. Uh, it turns out it's it's something a little more special than that. Um, and uh, I I like this idea a lot. It's something I, I've played with. Um, and we um, made sense to me because Nadia had to had to rebuild her own wings anyway, because the, they got broken in the last story. Um, so she decided to, to build a couple of extra sets for the girls in her lab. Because um, who doesn't need uh, a set of wasp wings when you just need to bug out of a situation or even just a bad conversation? You know, you just find yourself in one of those conversations that won't end at a Comic Con and you just hit the button on your wings and fly off and you're done. I find that appealing. Um, let's see. Uh, and then, yeah, we get, you know, a nice big spread on issue six. Uh, it's not a lot more to say about that. Um, uh, other than what's on there. Um, I, I do really enjoy Taina's response to flying, being tell gravity to eat it. Um, it's not enough for her to just be uh, just be happy about flying. She has to insult gravity in the meantime. It's a very, very Taina response. Um, all right, and we get a jump to, to Janet being the best mom here. Um, we're back at the lab, and she's uh, we find out she's prepping Ying uh, to go meet uh, Shay's mom. So Ying and Shay have just really recently started dating. Um he got as far as a, a kiss on the cheek last arc before things went really wrong. Um, there, if you're listening to this, you probably uh, already know how extremely cute they are. Um, and and Janet is Janet's really getting into some some next level momming here. I I always when I write stuff for Janet, I always have to go uh, look up fashion blogs on the internet because I want to make sure I'm. I'm doing and saying things right. Um, you know, she's got all this uh, advice on uh, what to wear and, and what makeup to uh, wear when meeting somebody's mom for the first time, which feels like a very Janet thing to me. Um, you know, it's not necessarily the same stuff that, uh, that Janet loves day to day, 
but um, you know, she's got she's giving her light pink lipstick. Um, this is a shade darker than complexion. You got to bring out the warm tones in the skin um, without it feeling like you wear a lot of makeup because you don't want somebody's mom to think you wear a lot of makeup. Ying is also feeling very nervous about this because uh, not only is being worried uh, that Shay's mom is not going to like her because she is a uh, weird, gothy uh, teenage assassin with no parents who uh, grew up in a bunker. Um, and that's maybe not the first person you want your daughter to be dating, um, especially if you're... Uh, she's, she's especially worried because uh, Shay is not out to her mom yet. Um, and she's going to be, you know, in this coming out to her and also, um, introducing her to, to her first girlfriend who, uh, is a weird, uh, goth assassin who grew up underground with no parents. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Janet is, is not, not going to let, uh, Ying try and chicken out of this. They go ahead and, uh, kick open, um, Shay's portal, which she's just installed the other end in uh, Los Angeles, because uh, this was part of what has been ongoing in the story so far, as they've been uh, building this portal. Um, and uh, sort of the, the end goal of this was for uh, Shay wanted, she wanted to create the teleporter technology, but largely she wanted to create it so she could go see her mom whenever, because her mom lives on the other side of the country, and she doesn't uh, really have the, she doesn't have the time or ability to travel across the country to see her mom. And, uh, her mom doesn't really come back to New York very often. Um, I also, I want to point out in this scene that man, Alti, Alti does great at, uh, picking up the sort of, uh, bar that's been set throughout this, this series of like, great fashion choices for characters like Ying and Shay are intentionally in, in clothes that are sort of uncomfortable for them in this because they're trying to impress, um, Shay's mom. But, uh, Janet's got a fantastic outfit here and, and Bobby's a little more on the casual side, but still feels very much like herself. Like that's one of the things I love in this series. And I, I think I love a lot about working with, with female artists on books is that, they pay much more attention to like to fashion and clothes than, than a lot of the guys I've worked with. Um, so, you know, characters always look like themselves, even if when they're not in their costumes, they have sort of defined styles. And um, whenever you see them, there's, there's no doubt, you know, no matter what distance they're at, that that's that character. Um, yeah. Bobby, even in sort of a casual version looks very much like herself. Um, and at the, the end of this, uh, we're sort of, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I just, sorry, I, I wrote down notes on this. Uh, <laughs> they just say, uh, Janet being the hero we need. Uh, also, we're introducing the, uh, the threat of, of Nadia's birthday party, which is going to be the next issue. Um, and uh, so this also says, Bobby and Janet are best wives, which uh, people on the internet have been saying to me is as long as the two of them have been in the book is that, uh, they're, they're great at doing the co-momming here. And they discuss that in this page for the first time. Um, they're, they're sort of co-momming a bunch of girls that they never had really intended to, uh, do that. They're sort of baffled. Janet's baffled by how she got in the situation of, of, uh, basically, uh, raising a group of children with, uh, with Bobby of all people. Um, and Bobby backs up that feeling of, of hesitancy by, uh, immediately then, uh, telling Janet that she has a terrible idea. Um, yeah. Um, says, I have an idea you're going to hate. Uh, she wants to get a hold of Bucky Barnes, which we will see that, uh, play out in issue seven as well. Um, which uh, I'm, I'm happy to have any reason to write Bucky. Uh, 
he's a lot of fun. Um, all right, so then we uh, we jump over to uh, follow Nadi and Taina, who have gone over to, uh, to Priya's house. Priya says, uh, texted Nadia saying she had a science emergency, um, which we're in Queens, and man, that first... Uh, that first image feels very much like Queens. Uh, it was important to me starting the series that all all the girls are from New York, um, but all of them are from different neighborhoods and different ethnicities. And I wanted every every one of these places to feel very much like those characters live there and um, kind of get the feeling of, of what the different neighborhoods look like. Um, we saw a little bit of... Uh, of, of Washington Heights earlier, uh, Taina's house. Uh, and now, you know, Priya lives in Queens. Um, he sort of arrived not really knowing what's going on. Um, and Priya's, <laughs> Priya jerks Nadia in the door. Um, and is, is, uh, not thrilled to see Taina there because, uh, she just, she just knows Taina's going to make fun of her for what's coming next. Um, we see that Priya is, is uncharacteristically disheveled. She's usually the one that's uh, sort of on the fashion tip of the girls. Um, and we we revisit sort of some stuff that happened in the previous volume where uh, during, during the attack on the lab, Priya got uh, knocked out and replaced, and they, they found her locked in her greenhouse with... Uh, this, this gas coming in and uh, Priya underlines that that gas is, is sort of this thing that she created to um, try and replicate the ability that uh, acacia trees have to talk to each other, um, to transmit messages to, from one to another. Uh, she's trying to, to breed, uh, to genetically transfer that into other plants. Um, and that's where this gas came from. Um, and she got gas with this gas. Um, and she, uh, her, her mom, uh, as all, as all moms, but particularly, uh, immigrant moms has been particularly worried about her since, uh, since all this happened has been making her stay home and take naps. And, and she just had a, she was just taking a nap and had a, a particularly, uh, bad dream when she woke up. We see on page 10 that, you know, she's got, plants all over the place. They've, uh, they wrapped her up and were taking care of her and they're, uh, she's now mentally communicating with plants, whether she means to or not. Um, and of course, Taina immediately thinks this is the funniest thing. Um, that, uh, Priya thinks she's a plant psychic. Um, and uh, no sooner does Taina start making fun of her and make Priya feel defensive than uh, the, several of the vines hanging from the ceiling grab Taina and, and pull her up into the raft, up off the ground. Um, uh, and, and of course, Taina takes, uh, takes the opportunity to make a Professor X joke. Because um, Taina's jokes are all referential to other things in the Marvel universe. So that's just, it's just how she rolls. Um, we also get sort of this, this look of, of Priya as being <laughs> once again, a reluctant hero. She's always reluctant to get into anything. Um, but is terrified at the idea of having superpowers. Um, she hates it, doesn't want to do it. Um, the idea that she has some sort of, uh, plant psychic abilities is too weird for her. Um, she just wants to be a normal kid, uh, which she, she keeps coming back to this refrain and she keeps getting further and further from this. Um, all right. So now we're on, on page 11. Uh, we're meeting Shay's mom, which, uh, Ying finds out just before she meets her, uh, is, is a actually a famous actress. Um, she's, uh, she's mom is very pretty. Um, and also very fashionable. Again, Alti is nailing that. Um, and, uh, she's, she's on the phone with her agent when the, uh, girls come up and, and, and maybe a, 
a preview of this not being the best interaction. Um, she's telling her agent that uh, she's refusing to be pregnant in the soap opera she's on because pregnant is not a good look on her. Um, also, she refers to her uh, lunch with her daughter as her one o'clock appointment um, rather than saying she's having lunch with her daughter, which is <laughs> one way to do it. Um, we, uh, we get a little bit of you know interaction between her and, and Shay at the beginning here, and, and there's already sort of this feeling of her being... Uh, a little bit disapproving of Shay. Um, and Shay's father, her, her ex-husband, um, she does not particularly get along with anymore. Um, she's, she's surprised, um, to see that Shay is in a dress, makes a big deal about Shay being in a dress, uh, making Shay incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, she also points out that Shay's dress is not very fashionable, which um, it's just mean. It's just a mean thing for a mom to do. But uh, you know, she doesn't see her mom very often either. So um, Shay's, uh, Shay's mom asks who Ying is, and uh, Shay panics and introduces Ying as her, her friend and lab partner um, rather than her girlfriend, which is what she is. Um, I mean, not that those other things aren't true, but that's part of the point of this meeting is that she was going to introduce her girlfriend to her mom. Um, Ying curtsies because uh, Ying's a weird kid that grew up in a lab and she doesn't really know what she's supposed to do. Um, she is immediately sorry and feels bad about uh, introducing Ying like this. Um, Shay's mom also uh, chooses what she's going to eat because she's just that kind of mom. Um, and comments on Shay's physique. Uh, she, she thinks... Ying is uh, much more, um, it's a much better physique, uh, which is true because Ying uh, grew up being trained to be an assassin, so maybe not the coolest thing to say. Um, she also is, uh, she's she's very like disapproving of everything about Shay, and I, I this makes me uh, felt bad about writing this scene because like. I, I kind of knew that that's who Shay's mom was from from the introduction because you know when we first meet Shay we learn about you know her trying to make this teleporter so that she can go see her mom that she hasn't seen her mom in some time and her mom doesn't make coming to see her and her you know ex husband a, a priority um, and there's this sort of looming feeling of parental expectations and of, of Shay's mom being disappointed in everything about Shay, um, which I feel like for anybody reading this series at this point is like the worst thing you can read because Shay is obviously amazing and has, you know, she just built this uh, teleporter. You know, she was able to get from one side of the United States to the other and in seconds to uh, you know, specifically with the intention of coming to visit her mom, who she clearly loves, but her mom is not cool at all. Um, and, you know, she's uh, sort of having a panic attack here, and, and Ying's feelings are obviously hurt, um, even though she's... Uh, she wouldn't say anything about it. Um, you know, she understands sort of the... Um, and she quasi understands the the pressure that Shay is feeling here. She doesn't. Ying has never really had a parental figure outside of like Janet and Bobby, who are, um, you know, <laughs> the coolest possible moms. Um, uh, so we we break away from that a little bit with things in a pretty bad place. Um, we come back to uh, Priya's house where. Uh, 
that Yina can't stop making jokes about her long enough to get down from the ceiling. Um, uh, she also she also suggests that uh, she's making suggestions now for for what Taina's superhero name should be. Uh, she's comparing her to Man Thing. She's going through a list of possibilities here: uh, girl thing, woman thing, lady thing. Um, all of which are obviously terrible. Nadia, in the meantime, just produces a tiny flashlight from nowhere because that's how Nadia rolls. She just has a flashlight and uh, with her at all times. Just, I'm, I'm assuming it came from a pocket or a, a fanny pack she has tucked away somewhere. Um, she just has, just has science equipment with her at all times. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Nadia is, is of course excited about the uh, possible discovery that Priya has made here. Priya is uh, freaking out about being a weirdo um, who's uh, when she tries to she, she's worried she's going to try to date boys and they're going to get attacked by plants um because being, being normal is frequently at the top of Priya's list of things to do. Um, and, uh, oh, Nadia also mentions her, her birthday party again. Like I said, that's issue seven. Um, we flashback. We, we get some of the story behind this in the next page because we, we get a flashback to the, uh, therapy session again. We find out that, um, Nadia is, is to me the most relatable person because uh, all of her hobbies are also work related, which uh, I feel like anybody who writes comics can relate to because like, what are, what are my other hobbies? Uh, they're all comics related. And even like when I'm not doing comics, I'm like going, I'm watching superhero TV shows and movies that are directly related to my work and uh, going to comic conventions that are, absolutely work um so yeah uh nadia's hobbies all involve science and uh superheroing both of which are, are work for her and uh dr sinclair is, is suggesting that she should uh probably do something that isn't that uh <laughs> which uh nadia's like well what about engineering and math um and dr sinclair rules out anything from from the stem acronym um, and they, uh, they realize that Nadia has never been to a party and that she has never had a birthday party of her own because, uh, she has no idea when her birthday is and grew up in a, a bunker underground. So, uh, Janet is deciding to throw her a birthday party, uh, for, you know, the first time in her life. Um, and we, we jump back to, um, Priya and Taina and Nadia. Taina has uh, theoretically stopped making jokes long enough to get down. It might just be uh, Priya's distracted by Nadia, and uh, that's how Taina managed to get down. They're all you know, chilling and having a conversation about this. Um, Priya feels like a jerk because of all the... Uh, all the crazy stuff that happens to Nadia on a day-to-day -day basis, and she's freaking out about this, uh, what she thinks is, or what she's saying is a little thing here, and that, you know, it's, at this point, more or less a good thing. Um, uh, uh, Taina tells on herself she's uh, more of a nerd than she lets on, because she makes a Radagast joke, which is uh, it's a it's a deep Lord of the Rings pull. Um, everybody knows Gandalf. Only only really nerdy people can pull up Radagast's name at a moment's notice. Um, Priya, of course, uh, just assumes it's another joke about plants, um, which it is. Um, and they, they do some quick touching base on, on the birthday, which is, again, next issue. Um, that's going to be a fun one, guys. If you're reading the book, 
that's going to be a good, it's going to be a good issue. Some, some very good guest stars. Um, but in the meantime, we have to handle this, uh, deeply unpleasant scene with, uh, Shay and Ying and, and Shay's mom. Shay's mom has gotten up to go to the bathroom and Shay is, um, emphatically apologizing to Ying and Ying does, uh, the worst thing possible, which is be understanding. Um, she, she understands, she says that she's difficult to explain and, uh, takes the entire blame for Shay not, uh, telling her mother about her on herself, which immediately makes Shay feel terrible. Um, and, uh, she, she does, uh, what I started referring to as pulling a North star, uh, which is, she just, uh, just, just yells that she's gay. This is how North star comes out in, um, comics. She, fortunately, Shay is not punching somebody, um, at the time, but she just, uh, burst yells out that she's gay, uh, to her mom. Um, uh, her mom turns out to be awful about it. Um, this is listed as a, another, another of a long list of, of ways in which she has disappointed her, which is, um, obviously not cool. Um, and she, uh, you know, she tries to introduce her mom to Ying and actually tells her the truth about her this time. And, uh, Things things go sideways, and um, Shay bursts out crying and, and runs away because she doesn't feel like she can cry in front of her mom. Um, she should have known better and leaves leaves Ying there with her mom, <laughs> which uh, turns out to be uh, my my favorite part of the story because that last scene is the the worst, or that last page is the worst. But then page eighteen is. Uh, my favorite because uh, Ying gets to uh, gets to be the the hero in a not particularly physical capacity here. Although she does uh, threaten to <laughs> incapacitate Shay's mom if she doesn't sit down and listen to her. Uh, Shay's mom is uh, the first thing she says after Shay runs off is it's just as well if she's going to be a lesbian she'll have to toughen up, which is. I I made myself uncomfortable writing dialogue in this scene. Um, but uh, Yang sets a particularly high girlfriend bar um, because uh, she she stands up to Shay's mom, tells her off, and uh, we get this particularly good bit with... Uh, Or she with fire in her eyes, um, literal fire in her eyes, and in this image, um, um, she says, "I, I can't imagine why, and maybe it's because you know, I never had a mother, um, but she cares about your approval, and." Um, Is uh, how can this empty, self-absorbed look uh, woman look at this brilliant girl and not see the wonders that will change the world spinning behind her eyes? And that one gets me. Like that's one of those lines that occasionally I write, and I'm like, man, that's a good line. Uh, it makes me makes me tear up because I, I feel like there's I feel like I'm fortunate to have had uh, decent parents who. Uh, listened to me and uh, saw my my potential and let me do my thing. Uh, and there's plenty of people out there who haven't had that. And um, you know, Ying is saying she's always she's always thought of not having had a mother as a bad thing, which you know, sure, obviously, um, but that you know she uh, that it's. It's maybe because of that 
or she's she's glad that she didn't have a mother like Shay's mom because you know she might be as amazing as Shay is and not realize it. Which, uh, yeah, there are plenty of people in my life I felt that way about. Like, it's it's so sad that you know there are people that I I know are amazing that don't realize they're amazing because if people telling them otherwise. Um, yeah, page 19, she, she goes off to find Shay, um, leaving, leaving mom behind. Um, <laughs> at this point, we should find Shay. Shay is crying, which, uh, I pointed out in my notes here that it's, it's not unstoppable wasp until somebody cries. Um, it's just how we roll. Um, There's there's this line in panel two which um, came out of this series of, of watching reality TV shows, um, but but mainly I think out of out of watching episodes of the um, you know the new run of, of Queer Eye, um, where I felt like there is just this ongoing thing with. Uh, people, especially people like my age and younger in those episodes of um, not necessarily expecting their parents to love everything about them or embrace everything about them, but wanting their parents to know that they're okay, um, that they're handling things, that their lives are all right, um, that like started to get to me through that. And, you know, Shay is, is having this moment here of like, you know, she knows, she knows her mom is never going to give her the approval that she wants, but she really wishes that, you know, her mom could, could she wants her mom to see her and know that she's, she's doing all right. And, to um, give her even that sort of, basic tacit approval. Um, and she, she didn't get it. She doesn't get it. Um, and Yang is sort of, uh, awkwardly trying to comfort her and doesn't, doesn't really know what to do because she's got a lack of experience at, at this and just human contact in general. And is, uh, sort of asking Shay's consent to hug her. Um, which is nice. Um, which uh, she turns around and says, "Awkward herself." Um, so she she heard everything that Jing said to her mother, um, and you know, Ying is is trying to apologize, and she tells her she doesn't she doesn't want her to apologize. She wants to kiss her. Can she kiss her? It's another sort of moment of uh, awkwardness, but also nice consent stuff for, you know, teenagers. Um, and Ying is obviously okay with that. Um, and, uh, they awkwardly, awkwardly flirt a bit more about, uh, she having heard Ying say that she's beautiful and she's surprised and she wants to know if she really, if Ying really thinks she's beautiful. Uh, and Ying admits to not really caring much for this, like, dressed up Shay, this version of her, and the, you know, uh, this, this femmed up sort of girly Shay that she's, she's done to go see her mom. She likes her suits that she usually wears. And, uh, Shay admits to, to liking Ying's, uh, gothy black dresses and stuff. Um, it's this, this nice moment to me of like finding your person is, you know, I think there's a lot of like relationships and, and stories that feel inevitable. And I think this is a case where like the two of them are, are just, just the right match for each other. Um, you know, they're both weird, awkward kids, but they're weird, awkward kids. They're in love with each other. And, uh, isn't that 
isn't that what it's really all about? Um, and uh, they'd hold hands and get ready to go home to uh, to go to Nadia's party in the next issue. It's also a cool dude with a dog walking by at the end of the last panel. Dudes with dogs are important. Um, but yeah, that's issue six of, of Unstoppable Wasp, which is uh, sort of our our fallout from the, the big story with uh, with Nadia's bipolar stuff, and our, our, I think our first real chance to see some of our agents of girl out in the world, you know, living their own lives. Um, so I, I wanted to, to take a chance to really get to follow up with them um, because they've, they are very much the supporting cast of this book, um, but they are characters that, um, I'll, that I created and I feel very much attached to. And uh, I know the rest of the team does as well. Um, and it was, it was important to me to get to deliver on some of the stuff that we've talked about from the beginning of the series, um, as far as, you know, Shay's relationship with her mom, which you know, we, we knew was strained from the first time we meet her in, in I think it's an issue two, um, maybe three, I think it's three. Um, and, uh, you know, this is our, our first kiss for Shay and Yang, which was, um, it's important to get to that point for me too. Um, cause we get to see sort of their relationship evolve along with the, you know, the superhero story of it all. Um, and it was, it was also important to me for Taina to have a chance to, um, really be able to react to the supremely not cool stuff that, that Nadia did and said as a result of her, um, of her mental state in the last story. Um, and it's a chance for Nadia to learn about Taina and about herself and, uh, for Taina to, to be in a position where, uh, you know, she can, she can really teach Nadia something about, um, you know, dealing with this, uh, adversity that's, that's part of who you are. And, um, you know, she has a lot of, she has plenty of experience with not letting, her disability define her, um, and can give Nadia, uh, some, some guidance there. So, you know, just like in the last issue, Priya got to, to sort of, um, be the one to be the normal person helping out the, uh, the superhero. Taina gets a little bit of that here as well. And, um, <laughs> we also get to see a bit less composed Priya as she's, uh, you know, dealing with this uh, this nightmare that is uh, being a little weirder than she wants to be, because <laughs> that's Priya is is trying desperately to be normal. Everybody else in this book is striving to be uh, weird and super heroic and unusual, and and Priya just just wants to be a normal teenage girl. She wants to have a uh, a boyfriend and a social life, and none of that's quite working out for her. <laughs> Um, so it was nice to get to, to touch on all of that and to get to see our, our heroes in, you know, not just Nadia, but Janet and Bobby and more of a supporting role to these, um, you know, teenage girls who are normal girls. Um, so that's, um, important to me. And obviously, uh, next month we're going to be dealing with, um, you know, this stuff with, uh, Nadia's birthday party. Um, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and Alti, we've got the same team, Alti and everybody on that book. Um, that one is, is already drawn and it's amazing and everybody is going to love it. Um, especially if you loved this one. Um, and then, uh, shortly after that, we'll, uh, we'll have our, uh, big finale of, of this part of the story in, uh, eight, nine and 10, which is the girl expo which uh, Guru Hero will be back for. Um, and that's going to be our, our big, uh, not only reveal of all of our, our girls' different science projects, but uh, return of our confrontation with AIM 
And uh, we'll also get to see a, a little more, uh, a little more Bucky Barnes in there as well. Because when you get to use Bucky Barnes, you can't just you can't just give him up right away, right? All right, um, that's everything I got. Uh, we'll uh, hopefully hopefully see you for more Wasp next month. Thanks for listening. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Dog. Brett Boehm. Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.